To him who loved us and washed us from our sins by his blood and made us kings and priests to God the Father, to him be all glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You may sit. I'll highlight parts of the text for today in just a minute. My usual introduction this month, we have a sermon series based on the epistle readings that I, as I said during the welcome, life in this Pentecostal church. And each week, shorter and shorter, I hope I do mention that that could be a disconnect for some people that that they thought they were coming to a Lutheran church and now the pastor says we're a Pentecostal church but I'm doing that to try to reclaim that word when when the meaning of words is changed it can often change values and behavior I've given examples short ones again I hope at the start of each sermon we turn Sunday into part of the weekend instead of the week start the definition of marriage has been changed in our society what we call that human being in the womb or at life's end determines the values we place in so many ways and today is that example I share with you some worship terminology where, where some meanings have changed here in Trinity Lutheran Church we do it we call this service traditional and the 11 o'clock service contemporary but th those are really misnomers the word traditional literally means to hand and there are traditional things in the 11 o'clock service and always should be the Apostle Paul uses that word in 1st Corinthians chapter 15 where he says I handed down to you what you received as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was raised according to the scriptures that's tradition that's what we hand down and it's in all our services now I know it it indicates music style or atmosphere but there may be better words maybe classical you've seen this pastor use for this service baroque maybe but that doesn't fit our hymn of praise that brazilian hymn we're singing is in no way baroque or classical and indeed it's contemporary some of the hymns we sing here at 8.30, even some in our hymnal are just as modern as some of the things done at 11 o'clock. So what are you going to do? We have changed meanings of words. Sometimes it's important, sometimes it's not liturgical. is used to describe this service rather than 11 o'clock, but liturgy just means service public service and although we don't use the hymnal over there it's still liturgical with those basic elements of our Lutheran worship and that leads to a final point 
We call this a worship service. But I think we've lost the meaning of that word, although the introduction to our hymnal explains it well. The old German word, and I don't speak German, is Gottendienst. It's hard to say the N and the D together. Gottendienst. And if you use Google Translate, you'll even see the error there. Type in those letters under German, and what Google gives you is church service. That's not what that word means. Even with my limited German, it means God serves. And we have always understood that the main service happening here is not ours. It's God's first and primarily to come to us because we can't come to him with his forgiveness and grace and guidance and, and strength and glory. In any case, we are the Pentecostal church now a month after Pentecost, some of the emphasis is fading a bit in our readings, where in earlier weeks the Holy Spirit given at Pentecost was emphasized with the basic work of creating faith in our hearts to trust what we can't see with our eyes but know from God's Word. Indeed, groaning for us in this world of sin with a guarantee of an answer because of Jesus. And last week, the Holy Spirit was mentioned as a mark of ministry, indeed with some other things people don't often see. Well, this week our text is 2 Corinthians 8, and although the Holy Spirit isn't mentioned here and won't be mentioned next week in the text, this is still the work of the Holy Spirit now as the Pentecost season unfolds, showing us how we live with this Spirit. 2 Corinthians 8 and also chapter 9 are maybe the two best chapters in the Bible about giving. And I can be more concrete. Offerings. Monetary gifts. The Apostle Paul is gathering an offering for those in need and, and, and deals with it in these two chapters. And indeed, he emphasizes the gift of giving. Once again, I think we can miss the main point. As an intentional interim pastor with a short tenure in my last three churches, I haven't had the blessing of being involved in a regular annual, what we call stewardship cycle. You know what I mean, long-time church people? Where every year, usually just before a budget is approved, there's a, maybe a month of emphasis on, on uh, the stewardship, caretaking of the things of God, and often with the focus on material offerings. And here I haven't preached a sermon about it. And yet I have. Because the primary gift 
involved with our giving. I proclaim every Sunday. And it's God's. Again, notice how Paul begins these two chapters. As he's going to talk about, yes, material offerings, he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God given, he emphasizes, to other churches, but indeed to all. When he starts talking about material gifts, the first things he mentions is the grace. That's that Greek word you may know, charis. We actually name kids with that name nowadays. Grace, it's the root word for gift. In its most basic form here, it means God's favor, his acceptance of us, undeserved, indeed only by Christ. But that's the beginning, the middle, and the end. First and foremost, as, as we share material gifts or the gift of time or energy for God and for others, we need to know the, the gift of God. God's grace first given to us. If we don't, anything we offer is of no consequence. At least not in the end. It's just from us and will be destroyed in the end. I think I've used this question in a sermon before, maybe before we started gathering. You may have only seen it on, on the internet or with a DVD. What's the one thing you can offer to God, give, that truly, truly, truly comes from yourself? Sin. It's the only thing we got that doesn't come from God. All we can offer to God is sin. And I pray indeed offer it with repentance to say, God, this is what I have. And he deals with it. Indeed, in Jesus Christ, one of the greatest expressions of the gospel is here in verse 9. Paul continues to use this word as he's about to talk about offerings. And he says, you know the grace, there it is again, of our Lord Jesus Christ, his gift, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus accepted your sin, took it on himself, gave up his rich righteousness really on the cross to be damned in your place. And as he did, he gave you those riches, perfect righteousness before God. That's why you are accepted by God and that's why and how you can now give because you've received from God. 
Paul said that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. What do you have except what you have received? Really, that's godly and can be shared with God and in his name with others. It's what he has given you. And it's more than just material.